Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar, graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. These sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after each session. You can have your entire organization take the program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. Well, you've probably heard a lot lately about workplace wellness. And maybe you're wondering, is it really the organization's responsibility to focus on wellness? You know, our guest today is going to offer that, yeah, absolutely it's your responsibility, but you got to do it right. Jill Kane is a well-being consultant and HR expert. She's going to talk to us today about how to bring your best self to work. But more importantly, she's going to talk to you about how you can start taking a look at your own organization and see where wellness may fit in there. She's got a great offer for you at the end, the Organizational Wellness Assessment. You can actually do a free copy of that by going to jill-kane, that is K-A-N-E, dot com slash O-W-A. I checked it out. It's awesome. I would highly encourage you to follow up. Click on that link when we're done. So let's quit talking about Jill. Why don't we talk to her? Please meet my very special guest today, Jill Kane. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Jill Kane, welcome to the show. Hey, Mac, it's great to be here. Yeah, glad we could get together this morning. Uh, we had a good time kind of talking about family and things, but Really, what the topic is today is it's all about us or you or your best self and how to bring your best self to work. So we're going to explore that topic today. But before we do, Jill, I was wondering if you could tell us about your background. Tell us how you got started and what you're working on today. Yeah, sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me here and being able to speak to the audience today. Um, so I'm Jill Kane, and I am a uh, uh, seasoned HR professional. I've been in HR for about 20 plus years, really specializing in total rewards and compensation. Um, but my focus today is on workplace well-being. It's just become such a passion of mine over the last seven or eight years or so. Um, and so my mission really is to help organizations create a holistic and integrated well-being strategy that supports their business goals. So I do this by partnering with organizational leaders and their teams to help them co-create a sustainable well-being strategy because most companies that do pursue having a workplace wellness program uh, tend to focus more 
on one dimension, the physical pieces, or it tends to be more associated uh, under the benefits uh, group. So I really help them make it more strategic and a framework around all of their well-being initiatives so that they can really um, tie that to the employee performance and that it's really an integrated process into their work. So it's not the standalone set of programs, but rather just the way that we work around here. So that's what I do. And I really am excited about this work, especially in the times we're in now. And uh, I just see that it's so needed and it, um, it's really a paradigm shift. And uh, you know, I'm really excited to, to do this and to help employers really uh, create healthier, happier employees and people. And with that, we'll drive engagement and really build a thriving culture. Was there something that happened that moved you from the total rewards world to eight years ago focusing on wellness or was it just something that interested you? Yeah, I, I've always been interested in health, wellness, fitness. So I've always been doing something in my own personal life with it. But again, it's always that, the, you know, my work is my work and the health and fitness stuff is my hobby. It was never integrated. And then about you know, seven, eight years ago, I was working in a company, a large retailer, and they wanted to implement a workplace wellness program. And um, I was working in the compensation role, and uh, the opportunity came up to help form their wellness committee and really shape their well-being efforts. And I just really loved the work that they were doing, and I felt really, it was just really a positive step for um for that company and for employees. And I just saw the impact right away. And so I started to pursue uh, uh, certifications and workplace wellness consulting and, you know, more and more certifications and education on that because I'm a lifelong learner. But I really just, you know, loved that you could focus on bringing your best self to work. That's really what we're, we're talking about today. It's, it's all of the things, uh, you know, we, we bring our whole selves to work, right? All of us. So it's how do we uh, really just become uh, the healthiest we can be in mind and body? Well, if you've been at this for eight years, then I guess when 2020 hit, did that change the focus of wellness in the workplace? Because the workplace itself was sort of turned upside down and I'm not altogether sure, even as of the, the date of this recording, which we're in July of 2021, whether it's even back to whatever normal is going to be. Has that impacted workplace wellness, just this, you know, disheveled workforce, I don't know, paradigm we're in now? Yeah, definitely, for sure. And I think that workplace well-being, it's evolved over the decades as well, you know, but especially in the last year, everything has completely flipped because, for most of us, you know, 2020 was the most disruptive year ever. You know, we, we, um, everything that we knew to be true kind of had to be looked at again and everything changed overnight. So people went from being used to going into their office or going into a workplace to now everybody has to be equipped to work from home. And, you know, some companies were not prepared for that. Some companies were you know, prepared for that because they already had a hybrid work style or they already had their IT department, um, you know, everything equipped for people to be able to work from home. So that was one challenge. Um, in terms of well-being, what I've seen, you know, just in, in general is a shift from, obviously, we couldn't do any in-person things. So 
the on-site fitness centers and the in-person lunch and learns and kind of things like that have really transitioned. And I would say even before so, before the pandemic, uh, have transitioned to doing a lot more virtual workplace well-being. So I know what company where everything, all of the fitness classes that were in person switched overnight to uh, online uh, virtual Zoom classes. And even for a short while, we opened that up to the, the community so that other people could participate as well. So, you know, some companies were in a better position than others to react and respond really quickly. But in terms of workplace well-being, I, I saw those shifts happening overnight. And then just in general, and talking to all of the companies I've been speaking to and having conversations with employee um, mental health has been such a huge focus, especially over the last year. And I think that we've we've realized that we need to pay more attention to, to burnout and to people who are really struggling and, and everybody has some different issues going on. So some people, it's isolation. So they're working their, their social uh, life was work, right? So they would go to work and socialize with coworkers and just have that level of socialization. Now we're isolated, working from home. Maybe they're working, uh, they're living alone as well. So that's really tough for people. And then on the other side, you have people like um, myself who have kids at home and now you're a school teacher and you're working and you're juggling everything and you don't know which way you're going some days. So there's people who have the isolation aspect, people who are very stressed trying to juggle everything, and then the financial impact of people who couldn't do a job from home. So, you know, all the hospitality workers and people who were furloughed, you know, they found themselves without a job right away. And that, that was adding to more and more stress. So just recognizing that there was different challenges. I think the key thing is that everybody was going through something. So maybe our challenges might look different, but everybody needed this this well-being support more than ever. Well, when a company decides they're going to do a wellness initiative, because I've worked with enough companies, they get excited about a thing. Somebody attends a conference and there's this new hot thing. So when a company says, oh, we're going to have a wellness committee, we're going to set up a wellness committee, there's always that initial excitement. But where do companies screw up when they try to do this? Yeah, you know, and I think that uh, what I've seen is some of the companies don't even get to the point of a wellness committee. So they oftentimes, I think a lot of good intentions start with the benefits side of things. So offering some new benefits, maybe some new fitness apps and some new employee discounts to some health related benefits, right? So it kind of starts off in that area. And then it looks into things like maybe they have an on-site gym or they have um, maybe bring in somebody to do a workshop here and there. But what I really see is kind of this sporadic approach, you know, that there's really no strategy behind it. So it may be that we bring in a one-off person to do a, a workshop here and there, but it's really, there's not a, this comprehensive approach to it. So, I mean, I think back to like the very early days of, of workplace wellness, I think that even it started being talked about in like the 1800s, right? So that was all focused on occupational diseases and, and working conditions because we had people working in 
factories and dealing with chemicals and long work days. So that was like this focus on employee health and safety and preventative in that aspect. And then over the decades, we moved into more of like the physical health aspects of things. And I really think we're focusing now, especially the last year, as I mentioned, we're talking more and more about mental health and making that conversation more normalized. And I think that we'll continue to see that and really just understand that wellness isn't a set of programs. It isn't something that you do alongside work. It's really got to be part of your everyday and how you approach your day and how you approach work because it's it's always with you, right? So, you, you know, um, a lot of times I think that companies also not only just focus on the physical side of workplace wellness, but that they don't they don't have that strategic approach so what i mean by that is they're not looking at maybe their current employees needs and interest or they're not looking at the data there's a lot of data available now we can we can survey our employees we can look at health claim data to see where people have the most highest health risks and we can do that by location we can also kind of um you know formulate a framework that's really um, designed to really target the things that people are interested in and the people uh, that would help them out the most. So I think it's this shift away from looking at this kind of set of programs mentality to looking at how can we, how can we really make that part of the employee experience? How can we change the way maybe some work is done? So it could be things like some of the behaviors and, and norms of the company, like having meetings that maybe are 50 minutes versus 60 minutes or having, um, you know, blocking out lunchtime so that people don't schedule meetings during that time or just integrating some things that really could be part of the conversation. So I know companies that do like a mindful Monday uh, message that goes out to people. That's, so we can start doing these things in little ways to start really integrating it to into the companies. Well, when you talk about integrating, so I'm thinking if I was an employee and, you know, my looking at myself overweight, you know, out of shape, I don't know if I'd be all that to get, you know, interested in wellness and all these things. How do you convince people that this is actually worth exploring? Yeah. So I think that it's, again, looking at it beyond just physical aspects of it because we have people who maybe aren't feeling motivated and, and we know disengagement is a huge issue and always kind of has been for a long time. So it's really looking at ways that we can help you be successful at work. And that's what we're, we're talking about here today is bringing your best self to work. So being not only physically healthy and mentally healthy and well, but having that uh, internal intrinsic motivation to feel like you know, feel valued at work, feel like you can actually do your job. So I think there's a lot of other aspects that we have to look at too, that maybe, maybe there are things going on at home that are causing you know, people to carry a lot of stress when they come into work that they just don't have the energy to deal with. So how do we start to have those conversations and really address some of those things? Um, and I, I kind of think that we just have to look at the things that are going on really kind of take, um, you know, I know companies that do a really good job of having these check-ins and kind of auditing on projects where, uh, you know, looking in every few weeks or so and saying, you know, is Joe's schedule like 
really demanding? Is he in back-to-back meetings all day long? And can we institute a break in this project? And everybody takes uh, a week off of meetings for this particular project. So everybody gets a little bit of a reprieve. So things like that, I think we need to kind of look and explore more into. Okay. Well, I'm just visualizing a CEO who takes a business trip and on the way back is scrolling through their iPad and reads some article from somebody on employee wellness. So upon return, called a staff meeting, says to HR, we need a wellness program. I just read this amazing article, start a wellness program. HR professionals, in my experience, in many cases are overworked, overwhelmed, overstressed, and mainly underappreciated. So when you say bring your best self to work, how does that HR professional handle all of these requests while still bringing their best self to work? And what does the best self actually look like? Yeah, it's funny you say that because that's sort of exactly what I experienced when that, you know, initial um, company I mentioned earlier where we started a workplace wellness program was very much like that. Just came from the CEO and automatically it falls into HR, right? So HR, lucky professionals that we are, (laughs) get to institute that program. And so I think that for a lot of companies, the first kind of instinct is maybe looking at their current health insurance brokers for some some help there. Um, But again, I think that being, especially during the, the last year in the pandemic, that everybody was going to HR. HR has been the, you know, overtaxed, uh, really overworked group during this last year, right? So we've we've been uh, experiencing a lot. So we've had to not only respond immediately to all of our employees and, and support them through their this whole time, but also remember that we're human as well and we need to take care of ourselves. So um, I think your question is more around like, what can we do to take care of ourselves as human resources? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to get the job done. That's just part of the job and, and you're good at it. But then, like we say in the beginning of this podcast, you know, you got to make sure your own oxygen mask is firmly attached before you assist others. HR professionals often don't even put their mask on. They're too busy saving the world. So how do they, how do you take care of yourself first? What's that look like? Yeah, definitely. So I think, again, it just is coming back down to understanding what you need. So if you need, especially during this last year, because I think things look a little differently in the way that we might ask for help or put our you know, self-care as a priority, it's really going to become more important for us to to ask for that help, ask for those resources. Um, clarity and communication have always been top you know, keys to really being successful at work. So making sure you're really clear on the expectations, the timelines. Sometimes we take something on and we assume we know it's urgent, right? So we would try to get everything done all at once. And sometimes we don't remember that or tend to forget that we don't uh, have to do it all alone as well. So who else can we make part of this? So in terms of like a workplace wellness program, I look at that like the companies that I work with I'm a consultant coming into to help those HR professionals, right? So um, I'm here to make you successful. I'm not here to to necessarily own that program and, and do all of the work and then leave it on your lap, right, when I leave, but to help you become successful at um, creating 
a group that's going to, you know, be ambassadors essentially to really promote that throughout the organization. And I think just HR in general needs to really look at ways that we can bring others in and, and help become our champions to get things done and ask for the resources that we need. And I think that too, like on a personal level, we need to make sure that we're taking time for our own self-care. So making sure that we take time for um, meditation, maybe uh, take a quick workout, a walk around the blocks, especially if we're working at home. It's just so easy to just keep working and working and not having a break. Making sure that you're taking time to have those breaks, that you're eating healthy and you're, you're taking breaks to eat and you're taking breaks um, to really regroup, especially in between meetings and, and not feeling like you're just going, going nonstop. So if you were going to, let's just say you're an HR professional who has the benefit of, a, of an executive team who basically whatever you suggest, they buy off on. That's a healthier relationship. They, they know the importance of your role and they listen to you. If you proactively wanted to start an integrated wellness program, I mean, are there like different touch points? So I'm thinking, what is it? The physical, the spiritual, emotional, like what are the pillars of wellness that you would have to touch effectively if you wanted to make this a truly integrated wellness? And I hate to almost say programs because programs are like, you know, we're going to have a mentoring program. We're going to have a diversity program. Programs, that's the death warrant when you call it a program because a program will eventually end. And if we don't like it, we really want to hurry the end up faster. And especially a guy like me who's probably not interested in wellness, I wouldn't be interested. So what are the pillars and like, what would be the first step to start this if you had full support from the C-suite? Yeah, definitely. So I think that we again need to kind of reframe, have a little bit of a mindset shift of this isn't always about the physical well-being, but there's multiple dimensions of well-being. And really all of these things underpin the fact that this will help support employee engagement and productivity and performance. So, you know, hopefully if the C-suite has bought into that fact that this, you know, having a well workforce and healthy employees really does help in terms of the bottom line, in terms of your overall company health, right? So the dimensions uh, we would really look at would be so physical, obviously, um, the emotional, mental health, um, career and occupational. So this is another piece I think that's kind of overlooked in well-being, but really people have a need for growth and people have a need to learn. So if you feel like you're stale in your job or you're just kind of going through the motions or maybe you're not clear on the expectations of your role or you're, there's just a lot of change going on, you feel like you're not very clear about what you're doing day to day, that's going to affect your your mental health and your well-being. So these are things we don't typically think of, but um, the, to solve that is kind of the employee mentoring, having more opportunities for employees to learn, even learn things that maybe out, are outside of their job scope. So giving those opportunities really does help support well-being. Um, the social aspect, which we haven't really talked much about, but all of this remote work and just everything that we've had to deal with over the last year and people being really busy and in meetings, you know, it's very difficult for people to get excited about doing another Zoom call for a happy hour, right? So it, it's it's been a struggle to create these 
social connections and these touch points so that peer-to-peer and employee-to-employees can connect. I've seen a lot of success with employee resource groups coming together. I think that's become uh, more prevalent as well, just on uh, parent resources and, and caretakers. So those specific groups for those employees who maybe are struggling with working from home and having kids at home and what's that like and Maybe no one on your team really understands that, but you might have other people at your company that totally understand that. So it's just really helpful to support your own well-being to be able to connect with others in that aspect. The financial well-being is another area I think that is getting a lot more attention as well. We've typically seen in you know the benefit space there's support on retirement planning and like you know some of those kind of things. Maybe some discounts and, and things like that. But I think the financial education and really taking a proactive approach to people's financial wellness, because again, over the last year, we've seen people are losing their jobs, they're being furloughed, there's a lot of financial stress happening. And so there's been a lot more focus, I think, on addressing those concerns in real time. So I, I see that as a positive step as well environmental as another area. I think that in terms of the overall environment, you know, that's one aspect, but your personal environment and how you're working at home. I know I've talked to so many friends who are like, oh, my back is hurting and I'm, I don't have the right chair. I don't have the right setup here at home, even uh, your keyboard. And you don't have what you would normally have if you're working in an office. So how can you set yourself up in your environment at home? We were just talking about the noise. I have noise outside as well. The neighbors running around, kids, and you don't have to deal with this stuff, right, a year, year and a half ago. So just thinking of ways that you can create the personal environment that's that's not cluttered, that's uh, your own designated space for working at home, that those are things you can do to help really promote your own individual well-being. And then I think we touched on pretty much all of them. There's actually like eight different dimensions of well-being with some of these tend to overlap. So like the intellectuals really, again, about growth. So that could be career growth, but that could also be more personal development growth. So again, like you were talking about workplace wellness and not calling it a program, it's not a program. So some programs may be brought in to support these dimensions, but we can do a lot with our own policies with just the cultural kind of things that we're doing right now. And that can really come from leadership. Leadership can really take a look overall at particular teams or particular inefficiencies in the ways teams are communicating or the way that work is getting done and kind of fix those things. And that's going to drive and support well-being as well. So when I talk about an integrated approach, that's really what we look at is maybe there's we all know we've been in companies where there may be a process that happens and it's going through five different teams. It doesn't really need to go to everybody. Can we make it automate this somehow, right? It takes a load off of some of the work that's that's happening here. So there's there's things like that that we can definitely institute. And then just, I think, again, what I've seen, especially over the last year, is is just more presence from leadership when leadership really is, and maybe we don't know what's going on next with the pandemic, but just having their presence and having them send out a one minute video to just check in on everybody and say, hey, I'm here, I'm going through it too. 
how are you guys doing? Let me know. Send me an email. You know, just having that presence, having that ongoing communication really went a long way for people as well. Well, my last question may be a tough one to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So like for me, I'm, I've got the MyFitnessPal. My wife's got me on these macro things, which I have no clue what they are. They, you set certain percentages and whatever. I can measure my steps. I can measure my weight. But that's really only one dimension of the wellness that you talked about. How would a person know that they are finally at the level of they are their best self? Is that possible? Well, I think it's personal. It's it's definitely something that you feel yourself. You know, I think that when you're feeling balanced mentally and physically and emotionally, and again, this isn't to say that everybody's going to have a perfect day every day, but you want to make sure... You, I think those tools are fantastic and there are ways that you can definitely track a lot of things. We can track a lot of things on the physical side, right? But how do you track things like your your mental health and career growth and things like that? I think that it's important to look at the fact that as human beings, we all want to just feel like we're making progress. So if you're not quite where you want to be, but you feel like you're going in the right direction and you're not stuck or going backwards even, I think that that is what is, you know, a real key to to feeling uh, more well-being for yourself internally, because you're feeling like you're making progress and you're taking steps in the right direction. And in terms of well-being, you know, these well-being initiatives and programs, uh, one of the major pieces, so I kind of work with companies through like five different phases. So we go in really, um, you know, I want to talk about the final piece of the evaluation, but just to give you kind of a context of the whole system, I'd go in and really help them with casting the vision. So what is the vision you want to have for your company? And employees can do this themselves too, just thinking about what what's the vision you want to have for your own well-being, your personal well-being. Really articulate that and get clear on that. Then our second phase, we go in and look at assessment. So that's an organizational assessment, employee needs an interest survey, looking at health claim information, looking at all of the kind of ways that we're working, the policies that are in place, and just looking at where are we at right now, right? Getting a really clear picture of what's working, what's not working. And then we go into the third phase is really planning. So that's planning out, uh, you know, creating a framework of which areas of well-being you want to address because it's kind of a hefty load to be addressing all eight areas of wellness at once. But typically companies will focus in on two or three areas that they really want to pinpoint for employees. So maybe the physical health, the emotional health and financial health, and then we'll build out what programs are we going to offer? What uh, policies are we going to take a look at? What, what can we do to support all of those areas in multiple different ways? And really this is a committee effort. This is building the wellness committee, getting people throughout the business in different areas to all be included in this effort. So it's really coming up kind of like a grassroots effort and, and involving as many people as possible so we can get a real broad scope of what the needs are. Then looking at the communication piece, again, I've worked at companies where they have amazing wellness benefits. They have lots of fitness apps. They have lots of programs going on and lots of different things to be involved in, but there's no one central place to communicate it. 
or employees aren't utilizing it as much, they're not engaged as much because maybe, again, is leadership really supporting this or is it, I can't go to that because I'm, I've got a meeting on my calendar and I, I'm going to miss it. Are, are, are we making it, you know, available equally to people in a lot of companies that have multiple locations or have diverse workforces? Are we, are we really making these initiatives and programs and things we're offering available to as many people as possible in communicating it, communicating it continuously? So I look at things like how can the, the CEO or HR leaders put some of these things in their ongoing current messages that they're sending out, if they're sending emails out or they're doing other kind of work, how can we put some of these well-being messages in there? So it's always top of mind for everybody. And then again, to answer your question, the, the final phase is really that evaluation and measurement. So we look at what are we going to determine the measurements of success are, and that's going to be individual, you know, for for you, for any individual that's that's personal to you, what do you consider successful? What are those benchmarks? And for an organization, they're going to determine what those benchmarks are as well. And then we're going to continue to keep looking at that and evaluating it, seeing are we on track? Again, it's a, it's a constant process of what's working, what can we do better, what else has changed in the external environment that we now need to consider. So as you're building these this wellness program, if we're going to call it that, year after year, this is going to evolve. It's going to keep evolving. I look at it like wellness 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. So every year we're, we're building upon what's worked well and integrating it, it even more deeper into the culture. And so eventually the goal would be that this was just part of the culture. This is the way we do things. This is just who the company is and who they they are in, in, in terms of their culture and their people. And everybody feels that they are part of this culture so that it's not this set of programs or something you go and do, but something that is just part of that environment. Well, my last, last question is, so should we wait until we have conquered the Delta variant and everything is settled to start this wellness initiative? Or would it be all right to go ahead and start it now, even if not everything is certain in the future? Yeah, I think that we should start now if companies haven't really taken a real focus at this because a couple of things, I think regardless, we first, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Um, but also, if we look at the job market today, there's a lot of volatility. There's uh, There are people who are, uh, you know, talent management has been a real, you know, issue as well. There's a lot of employees who are leaving their jobs, they're they're moving, there's a lot of movement, a lot of uh, companies are struggling to really find the right talent, right? So I think that part of it too, we've seen a lot of people leave the workforce, right? And it's because these well-being fundamental things are not really being addressed by their employer or that they don't feel like they can be successful at work and do everything they need to do at home, maybe things have changed, right? Things have changed for people and they will continue to. So I think that flexibility is a real key. So really looking at where you are now, what, where do you, where do you struggle now? Is it with employee engagement, hiring, uh, retaining employees, and then focus on what can you do right now? So maybe, 
you don't tackle all of these things all at once, but look at some areas that you want to really focus in on and address. And again, I think that if done correctly, what will end up happening is you're not going to just bring in somebody to kind of do this groundwork and then not have a resource to carry it forward. Because I think a lot of times, like you mentioned, this gets dumped on the HR professional. This gets into their territory and they own it, which is fine at the beginning to get it going. But what you really want to happen is to have that wellness committee and wellness ambassadors and a whole network of people so that it's really part of a more of a strategic function than just one group owning it. And then it kind of not getting the attention and being put on the back burner when things erupt at work. So overall, I think that employees can get started um, or employers can get started right away and just looking currently and doing that assessment. I think a lot of times we have good intentions and bring in programs and bring in things. Oh, people are struggling. People say they want this. Let's bring in this workshop and this four week program here or there. But then what's the long range plan? It's not sustainable, right? So I think that being really intentional about it, looking at what what's working right now, what are the quick things that we can institute, like the shorter meetings, the breaks, and, and things like that, are things that you can institute right away that will, you'll see an immediate response to, I think. So yeah, to, to answer your question, definitely, I, I don't think we should wait at all. I think that it's long overdue and it's something that will continue to evolve as we learn more things about what's to come in the future. Great. Well, Jill, it's been a real gift having you on sharing your information, but apparently you have a gift for all of us. So talk to us about that and how our listeners can reach out to you to have you help them get this thing off the ground. Yeah, absolutely. So like I mentioned, I think one of the real key pieces is really doing that assessment. So what I'd like to offer everybody is a free organizational assessment. So this is looking at what you're currently doing for well-being. So it's an organizational well-being assessment. And you can get that by going to my website at jill-kane.com. So I don't know if I can provide you with a link in the show notes uh, to that, but that's something your listeners can take a look at and they can look at um, assessing their organizational health immediately. Great. Well, Jill, thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule today to chat with us and, and help us see that wellness is more than a program. Wellness is more than just a gym membership or giving people money for treadmills every year. We really appreciate that. And if you're listening today and you want to get going on this sooner rather than later, again, check out jill-kane, that's K-A-N-E.com and take advantage of that free gift. Jill, thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well. <laughs>